Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Agroni, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a freelance film writer. It's Will Ashton. Hi. Are we still talking about movies that stream online? I feel like we've gone back to just talking about movies that hit feeders for the most part. When was the last time we talked about a movie that went straight to like Netflix or something that was, you know, direct to Disney Plus? We don't do it. We didn't talk about Pinocchio when that went to straight to Disney Plus, but here we are with Little Mermaid. Yeah, we talked about Pinocchio. We did? Yeah, that was the last time. Did I just I memory hold that on purpose? Yep. I think you just are yeah. forgetting full episodes at this point you know what part part of it is probably because i have so many other podcasts i'm doing now mm. that i'm neglecting you know our our relationship yeah yeah that's probably what's happening we should probably do a sketch mm. at some point to address this but yeah i guess it is fitting that the last uh streaming movie we watched was another yet another i should say uh disney live action remake quote unquote was pinocchio the last one Did we uh, talk no. about white noise Kind of think about it, like Netflix ones, you know. Yeah, we never, we never end up. I haven't seen White Noise, uh, so oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if we reviewed it. Um, <laughs> What's going on with that? I, I'm actually kind of surprised you never got to it. I wanted to. You, you like the book? Yeah, I did like the book, and I like Noah Baumbach a lot. Um, I think it just comes down to with streaming movies. I feel like if I don't watch them within that like month, two month window, I'll just get some maybe in a couple years or i'll just never watch them in a couple years you know somebody brought up white noise to me that's probably why it came up to the to my head but somebody brought up the the book the the other night and i was like oh yeah white noise i saw the movie didn't read the book and how interesting is it that that movie kind of came out and nothing happened with it you know but uh yeah that's not the case Mm. with the movie we're talking about this week the little mermaid sure before we talk about it i did want to briefly mention there there are two other movies that that are out um, I believe both are out. One's limited. One is more of a wider release, I think. Um, I'd have to fact check that. But if you're kind of listening and you're like, all right, I'll 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 tune in for Little Mermaid. But I mean, what is our <laughs> review going to really do? You know, it's like, who's who's coming to us for a Little Mermaid take? But there are two other movies. I was going to mention The Boogeyman. That's the, uh, next week. That's next week? Okay, yes. my bad. That is okay. But uh, f- sure. By the time you're listening to this, you can maybe check See, it out later. I thought you were leading this with all the listeners worldwide who are like, yada, 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 uh, Little Mermaid, but <laughs> where is my review of Burt Chrysler's The Machine that came out this weekend? That's and- right. We were supposed to have a review for it on In Between Drafts, but our reviewer couldn't get to it in time. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to still happen. But uh, the other movie, uh, yeah, I just double checked. Neither of these movies are out yet, so I'm wrong. But uh, I would say, you know, yeah, Boogeyman was pretty solid. Uh, that's the the one that's based on like the Stephen King short story. It's solid. But, yeah, it's mm. it's scary. It's it's just a little bit. I was kind of mean to it in my review, but I gave it a positive review ultimately. Interesting. Um, I heard it was bad. a low positive. It's not bad. No, mm. it's it's a bit derivative. It is, but it it has some pretty tense moments. And, uh, you know, to the point where, like, I don't know if we'll actually cover it on the show. I feel like we'll be on Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, um, which uh, I'm seeing this week. I don't know if you are. It's summer. Yeah, it is. I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Uh, I got a busy week ahead, so we'll yeah. find out. I'll Hearing see it sometime. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to see Flash next week, but I might not. Uh, I might have to skip the the screening for it, which I'm scared because apparently the spoilers are everywhere. But anyway, the other movie that's coming out next weekend and what I would really like to talk about is Past Lives. This has been on my radar for a minute and a half. 
And so if both of us can check that out, I feel like we should, right? Yeah. I mean, that would, if it came out in time, that would have been my suggestion for what we should review instead of that new Transformers yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if it's going to be in my area by the time you'd want to cover it. We'll do what we can. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to that. Um, the only other movie I was going to mention was You Hurt My Feelings, which uh, you're re- reviewing for us. Uh, or no, no, you're not reviewing it for us. Uh, Ali oh, Johnson is reviewing it. Sorry. I was going to say, that would be news <laughs> to me. Um, just, it's the end of May. And so for, for the listeners who don't know, and I, I'm in that mode right now where I'm trying to like organize all of our you know review assignments for the coming month and i've got stuff scrambled in fact i I, we're supposed to have our sanctuary review out pretty soon and that's another movie i haven't had a chance to see sanctuary i don't know when i'm going to be able to see it yes likewise um but yeah i'm hoping to see you hurt my feelings sometime this week along with master gardener which came out the week prior i'm excited to see some movies yeah, that's the Master Gardener's the new Paul Schrader film. Yep. Uh, Lenora Waite reviewed that for us. It did between drafts. And, you know, she thought it was okay, but ultimately just didn't fall on its side. But it was kind of, you know, a very interesting review. A review that kind of takes into context Paul Schrader's career, which I appreciate uh, personally as a, a fan of his work, but certainly not, uh, you know, I certainly know what I don't like about Paul Schrader's work, if I'll put it that way. We all have. No, this is not oh. the next First Reformed. We all have our crosses to bear, John. Uh, no need to hmm. delineate that in your notebook with your whiskey. Well, speaking of crosses to bear, we have come to that point in the show where we have to review yet another Disney live-action remake. And I, I certainly was coming into this movie kind of wondering, like, should we even do this? Like, is a review for this necessary? And, I mean, no review right. is necessary, right? Right. <laughs> I guess. But, um, you know, I mean, the quick of it is we, we've talked about a lot of these movies over the years, you know, from Beauty and the Beast to, you know, movies as recent as Cruella and Pinocchio. We talked about Mulan. We talked about, gosh, how, uh, what else is there that I'm forgetting? We talked about Aladdin. We talked about, uh, uh, we didn't talk about Jungle Book. That was before uh, you and I got yes. uh, Holic started up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I'm a much bigger fan of Jungle Book than you are. Uh, same on like Pete's Dragon, Cinderella, we, we didn't talk about, but we, we've mentioned these films, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I'm not crazy about any of the live action remakes. I think the two, I would say, I would go to bad and say, like, these are good movies from my like recollection, at least, were um, Pete's Dragon, as you mentioned, and Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh film, which I think both those movies are better because they don't entirely here to the anime version they're trying to just be either in the case cinderella like another adaptation of the famous source material which i think is the route to go with something like this and well i think they should have done with little mermaid as well but not to jump ahead or in the case of pete dragon this they do something completely uh different from the original film tonally stylistically and also something that is more personal uh to the filmmaker in that case david lowry uh there is also that peter pan wendy movie speaking of david lowry i was lowry. about to mention yeah the ones i did mention were dumbo uh more recently the peter pan wendy and then lion king of course mm-hmm. um and the peter pan and wendy is an interesting one you and i didn't even like mention it at any point um i never got around also, to it also there is lady in the tramp um which we also didn't get to mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Peter Pan and Wendy, weirdly, is the only one of these I have not seen. I even saw Lady and Tramp, I think, for some article I was writing for <laughs> Cinema Blend uh, during the pandemic. I, I just remember weirdly being like, all right, 
watching this pandemic's yeah. happening let's go <laughs> uh lenora wait did watch it for us at in between drafts she reviewed it and you know she had nice things to say about it but ultimately she was kind of like you know it, it's again it's another one of these i mean it's just it's another peter pan movie it's hard to do another remake because there have been so many oh. live action remakes across the board so it's like what can disney even do at this point i um, thought you were talking mm-hmm. about lady and the tramp <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah that'd be funny if it was lady and the tramp uh i also uh well, no, I did not see Lady and the Tramp, unlike you. I didn't bother with it, but You're thought, good. I mean, that's the only one of, yeah, that and Peter Pan and Wendy, I think the only ones are like the modern remakes I've never seen. Um, I think, actually, that might be all of them, uh, the only two, because, yeah, I've seen Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm like going back in time here, but yeah, Alice in Wonderland, you know, we grew up on like, you know, 101 Dalmatians, 102. Do you know what's coming up soon, though? Do you have, I have a whole list of the upcoming Disney live action remakes, and I'm curious if you know of all of these that are coming out. Uh, no. I'll go through it. Okay. I so know, the next actually, one, I lied. I know okay. one of them is supposed to be Hercules. I think the Russos are going to produce it. Yes. Uh, Guy Ritchie is directing that. Um, and sure. yes, both Ruth- Russo brothers are going to be, uh, yeah, producing yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be, be a huge. <laughs> Pow shit. Um, Probably. Um, but here's what else. Uh, and I'm sure you know of a few of these. The next one that is, there are only two that have a release date. Mm. Uh, the first one is Snow White. Um, so they're finally doing the OG, which, you know, I, I've made it clear to the listeners, myself and my therapist, that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, the 1938 classic film, very important film to me. One of my all-time favorite Disney movies. I mean, just the story behind how that movie got made is one of blood, sweat, and tears and exploitation, sure. but also whimsy, magic, and the birth of a medium that has changed the world forever. I was going to um, say, so, I mean, if it weren't for that groundbreaking anime feature, we wouldn't have... Eventually Pixar, and eventually we wouldn't have the Pixar theory. I guess that's where you're leading this all to. I probably to. wouldn't exist. Yeah, no. there you go. No, but I mean, in all in all seriousness, I mean, Snow White, without without animation, I mean, you have so... The world just doesn't look the same. It's a bit bleaker, isn't it? Um, at least animation in the cinema, you know, medium. It would have probably taken decades to get to the point where Snow White, like, kind of leapfrogged. Uh, but then, yeah, so there's going to be a Snow White one. It's probably going to suck. But... Greta Gerwig is co-writing it and Mark Webb is directing it, which, yeah, what can you do? Uh, then the the next one after that is going to be like later that year. Uh, and, and I didn't say Snow White's going to be coming out next March. And then a few months later, we're going to get Mufasa, the the Lion King sequel. And what I love about it is oh, the live action sequel. I forgot. Yeah, this is the one that Barry Jenkins is doing. Barry Jenkins directed, yep, with Jeff Nathanson as screenwriter. And my favorite thing about it is that it's not just called Mufasa, like it should be. It's called Mufasa colon The Lion King. It's called not having faith in Disney fans. True. Uh, the general public at large. What if they called it Mufasa colon The King of the Lions? The King that- of the Lions. I'd actually like that better. Uh, the one after that, uh, which I am assuming is going to be a cursed movie, uh and these are in no particular order. They could be coming. I, I, I'm just going through the list of like what's supposed to come out next. Um, but we have Lilo and Stitch. Uh, no, thank you. Um, I now Dean Fleischer Camp is directing. Yeah. Who I, I loved Marcel the Shell with shoes on. But I don't know about this one, champ. Let's see what happens. I mean, is there any way that Stitch is just not going to look horrifying in live action? I know, right? I, right. I just... It, 
it, to me, it's like what we've seen so far. No, thanks. Uh, Hercules, as we mentioned, we have just Hunchback, not even the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's just called Hunchback. Okay, Is sure. that the one? Isn't Josh Gad connected to that or was connected to yeah, it? Yeah, he's a producer, a co-producer. Yeah. Um, but the movie doesn't have a director yet, as far as I understand. Mm. Uh, then we're going to get another Sword in the Stone. That's probably going to be a direct to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, uh, we're going to get the Cruella sequel. Uh, they've already said that they're going to do that. Yeah, who cares? Um, and I think Craig Gillespie is coming back for that. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I care. I like Cruella a lot. Uh, Cruella is one of the ones that, like, Cruella, Jungle Book, Pete's Dragons, those are those are my my Disney live action remakes that I, I don't hate. Mm. Um, and then we're going to have a Prince Anders film. Um, doesn't have a title, but it's supposed to be, like, related to Aladdin. Um, so I think it's supposed to be... Uh, I, I want to make sure I get this right. That uh, movie is just never going to happen. You don't think that's going to happen? So nope. he was the character played by uh, Billy Magnuson. Yep, that's ever um, going to happen. That movie is not going to exist ever. Okay. That's my Fine. that's my prediction. That movie is probably never going to happen. It has a script. Uh, okay. Well, a lot of movies uh, have scripts, John. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Bambi uh, is supposed to be coming. Um, and that has screenwriters and producers uh, involved. Uh, there's going to be the Robin Hood one, which to me... They're, they're, okay, so the next three of these, Robin Hood, the Aristocrats, and Moana. Moana, shut up. Don't do it. Stop. Stop what you're doing right now. Moana is... Well, that one... One of the terrific modern disney movies like it's great as is don't mess with it it's it's only been seven years right. since that movie came out that one is purely the rock trying to uh yes. save his brand at this point he really is uh, quest love is doing the aristocrats right quest love is doing the aristocrats and Sorry, aristocrats. that one that one i'm fine with uh to an extent because it's like that's a movie that you could like pete's dragon and jungle book like it's from that era of disney where it hasn't been like overly mined to death. I feel like the movies that are outside of the Renaissance, I tend to have a better, you know, relationship with personally. Yeah. And I'm so, sorry. Uh, yeah. Quest loves the aristocrats. You have to go behind the scenes of the tonight show, I guess to hear that from, uh, do you get what I'm saying with this at all? <laughs> no. All right. Never mind. Don't worry about it. You should explain the joke. That'll make it funny. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the aristocrats joke, right? Yeah. I'll just do the whole thing right now. <laughs> um i was and i didn't say already but uh carlos lopez estrada the the blind spotting director is doing the robin hood thing but to me so many of these movies including like lilo and stitch i guess but not even lilo and stitch i feel like a better way a better approach to these like disney remakes is not to do live action for all of them some of them just would be better like if you wanted to update them with hand-drawn or even computer animation that would be great because I think people really like computer animated stuff, but I think ultimately it comes down to like live action is a little bit cheaper usually, um, especially the ones that they're doing direct to Disney Plus. And they're cheaper, they're quicker, and they don't have to pay as many residuals to the original animators. They can claim they can have enough uh, reverence to the original that they can nostalgia bait people and being like, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. But then they don't have to like, they can make it different enough to where like, they're not like, you know, like they're saying it's an adaptation of this film or this source material without having to give full credit to the original creators. Right. And yeah, I mean, they can, they can look at this movie and be like the little mermaid directed by Rob Marshall, written by David McGee. Okay, sure. Even though the, like, buried in the credits is you know ron clements and john musker um you know hans christian anderson of course but i mean that was a far more like 
like the original 1989 Little Mermaid was way more of its own thing by comparison to like its source material, like very much transformative of the source material. The live action remake is not. How weird does that does it have to be to like watch your entire filmography like be remade like over the course of like 10 years? So that's weird. I, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure like Ron Clemens and John Musker are just looking at their like Disney vault of money and being like, yeah, sure, whatever. Who cares? Um, especially because they can look back on it and be like, well, you know, it's not like we, you know, it, it's not like these movies are being considered better than what we did. But yeah, it's still it's still got a smart a little bit, you know. I don't think they're going to come back for any other films. To be fair, I, mean, I think that's... they have one left, Metal Men. But after that, I feel like those guys are going to be kind of done. I mean, I don't know what they're. I mean, maybe they they don't have another movie they want to make together. I don't know, but I just feel like probably if there is, if they want to keep making movies, there has to be such a like devastating irony to like them not getting to make another movie since Moana, which is, you know, etching towards its 10 year anniversary in a matter of years. Uh, but then like seeing all their other movies just like get, you know, nostalgia baited into these sort of lifeless live action remakes and the studio just constantly green lighting other adaptations or films, but not like green lighting a new movie from them <laughs> of all yeah. things. It's just, yeah, sad. We'll see. Cause their next movie is going to be coming out. Um, I don't know if it has a release date, but metal men, um, you know, I just, I just see that as maybe that's going to be like the last, the last of it, you know, a lot going into the little mermaid conversation. I, I I've been thinking a lot about the state of Disney at the moment. And kind of where they're at. And a lot, there are so many parallels between this current era of Disney and the in-between era of the Disney Renaissance and what we kind of went through during the early aughts when, you know, Disney had this like wave of success with these like animated Disney movies, Beauty and the Beast winning Best Picture, Lion King being a smash hit. Their movies were just getting like more and more like praise and beloved. But then the crack started to show. And, you know, we should mention the Disney Renaissance. We almost saw the shutting down of Disney animation in the late 80s. Uh, Little Mermaid. And uh, people would say, of course, like the the mouse detective. Those movies kind of like saved Disney um, because they ushered in like a huge wave of success. Uh, A lot of this had to do with Michael Eisner. Uh, unfortunately, uh, but also Jeffrey Katzenberg. But that's complicated because Jeffrey Katzenberger was the one who was like Pocahontas, put all of our resources, all our eggs into that basket. Lion King will never work. And then after Lion King was a smash hit, Katzenberger, you know, blitzed off to go do DreamWorks. But um, that that's a whole like wave of drama. But it does remind me a lot of what has been going on with Disney kind of post Avengers Endgame and Lion King. Like 2019 was like, I think the peak of like the modern Disney era, I want to say, because you had billion dollar movie after billion dollar movie, but then 2020 onward, we've just sort of seen a huge decline in interest. The resorts are starting to like lose a little bit of momentum in terms of how much money they're bringing in. I mean, the resorts are where they really make their money, but ultimately Disney makes their money from their movies, drawing people into the resorts. And that's why it reminds me of the post Disney Renaissance, because that was their strategy with all the direct to DVD, all the direct to video uh, sequels. It was because they wanted to like keep those brands alive. They were like, we want people to come back to Disneyland because of Cinderella. So we're going to do a Cinderella two. We're going to do a Dumbo two or didn't actually didn't do Dumbo two. That's one of the ones I don't think they ever did, but uh, they want, they did another Bambi movie. They did another, you know, uh, they did, uh, you know, another little mermaid. They did like two little mermaid movies and like all the way up until 2006, 
when they were just starting to like really hit the peak of that. You know, that was the, that was when they were like, all right, now we got to go do these like Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, like theme park ride movies. But literally it, it it's the parallels are so clear to me because these Disney live action remakes function the exact same way. It's like, come back to Disney world because Lion King live action, you know, it's just another reason to bring them in. And it's sad because we had, I think the 20 teens, we had a really good run of animated Disney movies. I mean, we had Wreck-It Ralph, we had Frozen, we had, you know, say what you want about Frozen, but, uh, you know, I think like before that movie became annoying, it was certainly like a big success and critically and financially, uh, we had Tangled, we had, uh, Moana, we had Zootopia. I mean, we were just, they were cooking with gas. Um, but yeah, we started to see that edge out at the end of the 20 teens, Frozen 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet were kind of more meager, uh, by comparison. And then as we get into the 2020s, I mean, what, you know, they've had good movies here and there, but it's been just, it's just been a different story. I mean, Strange World didn't take off. Their Pixar movies have all been straight to Disney plus, except for Lightyear, which cratered, uh, no pun intended. Uh, Ryan, the last dragon sunk Lindsay Ellis's career. I'm just joking. It didn't sink her career, but it did sort of like, it kind of came and went, you know, It, it, it wasn't a movie that kind of pushed the needle on anything. So all that said, I mean, we're at with Disney, these remakes, and I just feel like we're hitting that breaking point, wouldn't you say? Especially with like, just now Disney's and all this like weird political theater going on with, you know, their stance on LGBT issues and everything being the way it is. It's hard for me to like watch a movie like Little Mermaid and get sucked into it and like get immersed into it. Because all I can see are like, as she's swimming around, I see just the numbers. I see like, you know, Bill's, I, I, I see like Bob Iger's face in the background. You know how the original had like penises and like boners and stuff that the animators snuck in? Well, they don't have that in this one, I don't think. I think they just have like Bob Iger's face kind of being, or sweating, you know, from all the water being like, I hope this works. I hope this works. Uh, one gross, uh, two, uh, <laughs> I, I'm disappointed you didn't say dive in as opposed to, uh, game sure. golf or in golf or whatever you wanted to use. Um, but yeah, I'm I mean, genius. sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, even beyond all that stuff that you're setting up, I just think the, I mean, if they weren't already, these live action remakes are just getting tired. And like you say, it just feels very calculated at this point. Like nothing feels really creatively organic about these movies at this point. They're all just kind of means of, like you said, either promoting the parks or continuing their brand extension for, you know, building this, uh, you know, kind of snake eating its own tail of uh, movie making where they're just kind of just doing the same things over and over again, trying to cash on people's love of the previous product. And yeah, it's just... It's just disappointing, especially as two people who grew up, obviously, as uh, kids watching these movies, uh, you know, on VHS and what have you. It's just uh, it's a bummer to think about kids today not getting the same thing, unless, of course, they're, you know, rewatching uh, or watching the original movies with their parents. But it's like, you know, you want new, fun, exciting interesting movies to come out and this one well i mean not to jump ahead but like well a little bit i guess better than stuff like beauty and the beast 2017 uh Mm -hmm. or like aladdin 2019 especially compared to lion king 2019 i think this one's uh, like a smidge better it's not quite as bad i think there's some things about it that that work a little bit better than than 
previous recent uh, live action remakes, but it's it's more of the same. Like, there's nothing here that's really getting me excited about what Disney's going to do with these live action remakes, and I, I can't say I was really all that excited to begin with. So, it's exactly I think what you expect this movie to be. If anything, I'm more excited about Halle Bailey's career. Um, you know, who has been, she's been a, an actor uh, on some things like a couple shows, but she's also been more of a singer songwriter over the years and she has some incredible pipes, but this movie will obviously do great things for her. At least I hope so. Uh, hopefully more so than what Aladdin did for was, stars who kind of got shunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I, I don't want to get too optimistic is because I don't know. I mean, for as promising as that looked like that was like the one thing when that movie made a billion dollars, it's like, okay, hopefully this will, you know, benefit at least the stars of this film who are trying their best with this material and i don't think they've gotten uh any like lead projects their own certainly not from disney uh not even in aladdin it's kind of wild yeah i think mina masad and naomi scott are their names uh can have Mm -hmm. that funky but yeah both of them because like naomi scott was coming off of power rangers Mm -hmm. and you know she she was kind of on you know uh, she had some momentum going. Mina Massad was like, I think publicly came out and was just like, since Aladdin, like no one will hire me. Right. And it's, it's just sad. It, it's genuinely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to make sure. Yeah. Mina Massad had his, yeah. Naomi Scott. Oh, mm-hmm. my memory isn't as bad as I thought it was. Um, to your point though. Yeah. This movie has been getting better reviews and it's been getting, uh, you know, it's do, doing well at the box office. I mean, worldwide it's at 163, uh, 0.8 million. And we're recording this before the end of Memorial Day weekend. People are tracking that, you know, domestically, it could rise a lot higher um, to like 110 to 120 million. Right now, it's at like 95. Uh, interesting, though, is the box office mojo hasn't finished like tallying all of that. Uh, so I had to get that from a different website than usual. But I mean, that's that's kind of necessary because this is an extremely expensive movie. For Disney, I know what we were saying before of like, oh, you know, like this is uh, they're cheaper to make. Right. But this movie was cost 250 million um a lot of that has to do with like i think some of the issues that they were having with the uh the visual effects uh ilm did the visual effects and you know this is rob marshall who did uh so he was the director of pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides which genuinely like maybe i need to like look at these movies side by side but that's my main criticism of this movie the special effects around like the mermaid stuff, the underwater stuff is atrocious. And when you look at stranger tides, I mean, that's a movie from well over a decade ago. And I mean, it was no, you know, beautiful fish, but I I could, I would guess like if I put these movies side by side, the stranger tides had better effects than little mermaid, like little mermaid's effects were so horrifically bad underwater with that when we eventually got to dry land i started to just be like oh like this movie is fine now you know it it, kind of saves the movie quite honestly and then of course it has the big thing that happens in the end of the movie and it's it's just a big cgi fest but i mean not everybody has been agreeing with me on this i've I've seen some people friends of the show and we'll get to the rotten tomatoes game who are kind of going to bat for this movie. There's some people like Chrissy Lemire for Roger Ebert. She said that like, she thinks this is better than the animated little mermaid, which I, th- I'm just like, man, that's an opinion. That's a take. Um, because say what you will about the original. It, it's a simple movie. It's a lot shorter than this one. It, it's a movie. That's like the charm of that animation. It was the look of it, the feel, the aesthetic. It was all made for animation. We're talking about Ariel, like the first like Disney anime character. They literally based her off of an anime sort of like mentality. It's a gorgeous movie that's just like soaked up in charm. To go to this movie 
you know, I, I just don't think it translates. It's the same mistake that keeps happening with these movies over and over again. They keep, they just keep taking the same thing from the animated movie, like in Lion King and Pinocchio, and then just trying to like, just push that, shove that into live action. But it just doesn't, it doesn't look right. It, do, it doesn't feel right. And that's why for this movie, the only time that things kind of worked was in dry land because then it had its own visual style you know it, it, i said in my review it's like a kind of euro caribbean sort of thing it's kind of like you're at the disney resorts i'm like fine that's at least a choice it feels like it has some kind of flavor pretty thin flavor but it's something but then yeah when we go to the underwater like for me the the, the moment when the music's building up will and it's like the very beginning of the movie. It's like, ah, and you're just like, oh, we're going to see the, the big city. We're, we're going to see not, not Atlantis, Atlantica, whatever it's called. We're going to see, I mean, in the movie, in Little Mermaid, I mean, it's it, it's glowing. It's a castle. It's a kingdom. And then we get to it in this movie and it's just like a bunch of like mossy little t- rocks. And I'm just like, is this a joke? It's like, is it behind the, the towers? Are we going to pan over? Uh, I was so, but that, that sums up my feeling on like the first half of the movie, quite honestly. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite as strongly negative on the first and then like more possible in the second. I I think I'm kind of neutral throughout the film. Uh, I guess, I mean, the special effects, I think the big thing for me is that this movie has the disadvantage of coming out within six months of Avatar The Way of Water, which just basically ate this movie's underwater lunch. Yeah, and then I, some. I mentioned that in my review, too. I was just like, man, they presided over Avatar, too. And then it's just yeah. unfortunate. Um, but I even like Aquaman, which I don't think had like the most amazing underwater special effects, looked a little bit more seamless and natural than this where, yeah, I mean, it's just so apparent that, uh, that this movie, you know, is like a green screen extravaganza, you know, it doesn't really feel like, oh, I'm being immersed in this underwater fantasia. I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm watching a lot of overworked animators making these people look like they have floaty hair and that they're, you know, swimming with CG flounder. And uh, for some reason, Scuttle can swim and speak underwater now. Yeah, too? that was the point of the movie. Where I was just like, sure, why not? Might as well. But like to your point, like, why not just make that on the rock again? Well, it's- you know, you well, you know why that was, because they that is something they changed from the original and they did it because they wanted to make it a bigger moment when she goes up to the surface to rebel. So you can't have her do that before that moment. You have to have her be like, I never even touched the air, mm. like ever put my head above the water. So that's why they made it. So Scuttle has to come down because then it doesn't make sense. But then you run into the thing where it doesn't make sense that he would, you know, right. Yeah, it's just it's it's like trying to like lampshade like probably a CinemaSins mm. observation of just like oh all this thing has been brought up about Ariel hitting the top of the water, but then she goes up to the water to talk to Scuttle. Ding. Yeah, I guess I don't know uh, about that, but yeah, I think that's kind of a bigger issue that has been a lot of these live action remakes, and certainly this movie suffers from, which is that it, it can't really have its cake and eat it too. It can't try to fully differentiate itself from the original but also hit all the check marks of the original story it's just like a lot of these things sort of contradict each other i think the biggest one for me is when we get to land and ariel has already given up her voice uh to gain legs and to be a human she uh is now unaware that she needs to kiss eric to uh prince eric to get this right. and so the song uh kiss the girl they changed it so uh, there's a little bit more consensual awareness, which is not a bad thing. But in trying to make Ariel 
uh, unaware that she needs to be kissed, they're inherently taking away what consent she would want to have. Like in the original anime, when she's consensual because she wants to be kissed, she knows Eric wants to kiss her. You know, it's just a matter of like, can they just finally like settle this like romantic tension between them? And this one is just like <laughs> these you know, uh, fish and seagulls are like, come on, humans, you, you, you don't know it, but you have to kiss. And it just gets weird. <laughs> it's like, very, it's just like, I don't mind it because I actually find it kind of sweaty and kind of <laughs> like, right. It, that was a part of the movie where I was like, at least this is like taking a chance with the material a little bit more. But I mean, I've always, I, I know people have tried to re like, criticize the little mermaid movie like rethink it over the past couple decades of like here's all the reasons it's problematic and like and i think a lot of that criticism can be very interesting it can be very pointed but then i think a lot of people just like grab bits of it without understanding what the people criticizing it are saying and then they just take it out and be like the little mermaid terrible if you really look at it it's just she gives up her voice for a man she does this for a man and it's like mm. And they're, they're kind of just like throwing that out there because they read a Tumblr post and didn't really like really understand like what the movie was actually saying. I know I mentioned Lindsay Ellis earlier in this, but she actually she had a really good take on this once uh, years ago. I, I remember she talked about how with Little Mermaid, one of the things she liked about the original movie is that when you actually like are paying attention to what the text is saying, it's saying that her voice like the the siren in, th- in this movie, they have the whole siren song thing, which sure i think that that's fine um to try to like make it a little bit clearer like why the voice needs to be taken away but in the original it's just it's taken away so that it's harder right so for her to actually talk to eric and actually like communicate with him but what that does is it makes their relationship a little bit more sincere because then like it's not just her looks and her voice and like these like superficial things that are attracting her to eric but instead, it's her personality. It's them hanging out and having a good time. And it's it's more of like a, a courtship. It's more of just like two people who are kind of, you know, genuinely getting to know each other. And I think that's what they were getting at with this movie of making it even clearer that she's not just doing this with an ulterior motive. Uh, she's actually kind of just a fish out of water and she's kind of experiencing the world and yeah. like that genuine wonder. And then here comes this guy. And I think that she they kind of form a, a kind of a, an interesting connection. Yeah, I mean... Not to say that the original film uh, is flawless. It's not even, I don't even think my top five uh, favorite uh, original, you know, classic Disney anime films, but I still really enjoy it. And I think it's a smarter film than maybe even the filmmakers are giving it credit here. Like, I, there's yeah. this weird kind of ugly notion throughout a lot of these live action remakes where it's like, we need to kind of like improve upon the original. Like, it's, you know, it's a good foundation, but we need to expand upon it. It's like, no, it's more impressive what that movie did in 85 minutes than what you guys can do in 135. Yeah, it's it's you're the same just thing pe- with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. It's just, it just becomes kind of insulting in this way of like, you're insulting what these original filmmakers could do and accomplish in such a short amount of time. But then the other thing is like, I think you're kind of alluding to, in addition to, the sense of like you see all the kind of capital decisions, like like what the business executives are kind of you know thinking uh, strategically about in terms of economics for the film. I also get the sense that like I see like some executive has a big whiteboard. And it's like all right, we're doing it. Little Mermaid 2023. Well, what are we going to keep and what do we have to change? And it's like they have like this list of like, well, we have to do Under the Sea. We have to do this and that and Ursula, all this stuff. And it's like, well, we have to add this and that. Like, what if Eric, yeah. Prince Eric has a song? What if yeah, they put, uh, literally put Lin-Manuel Miranda like on the whiteboard without right. any context? But a lot of these things just like kind of 
they, they it's not a perfect harmony because there's no creative fusion. Rob Marshall was very much a journeyman director. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, no offense to him, Pittsburgh alum, all that stuff. Uh, but he doesn't really come into this, from what I can see, like, like clear vision. He's a little bit better than some of the other directors they've hired in the sense that like he does have a musical background, obviously. So some of the musical scenes have a little bit more energy, but that's not even much. Like Under the Sea, like there's, you know, it, it has that's the parts of it. Yes, but it doesn't have any like uh rhythm with the image and the scene exactly, like yeah. yeah yeah it's like the original when you watch like the anime one it's just such a perfect fusion of just like sound and picture and just like this is like they have the the very literal lyrics and then you just see like turtles walking on the ocean floor uh for the stuff and oh it's just these decisions just get very com- uh, conflicting baffling what have you it's just it just comes down to there's no cohesion here, I think. And it's not the fault of the actors, I don't think. I don't even think it's the fault of Rob Marshall to a full extent. It's just that I think Disney doesn't really know what they want to do with these movies. I think they just want them to exist and they want to keep making money. So they're just kind of like, do what we think people would like for 2023. But all these things to sort of contradict or interfere with each other. And so it just makes a very uneven and... Uh, unsymmetrical film we have a couple new songs i think in this movie uh one of the more notable ones is uh prince eric uh he gets his own i want song sure uh, i think it's called like uncharted waters that's uh fine. no that's your intermission song you can just get up and leave then nothing is gained <laughs> it's, it's, or lost you know, from it yeah it uh, just adds a little bit you know a lot of the pot but that leads me to my point I, a lot of positive things that people have been saying about this movie uh, they've been kind of going to bat for it saying, you know, it's adding more depth. It's adding more complexity to these characters. And I find that a little bit overstating, honestly, yes. like it, it's adding sure some more plot details, but it's not really like enhancing or enriching anything. It, it's just sort of like adding more information to existing motivations, arguably that it doesn't need. I think to your point yes. that it, it kind of worked better when it was simpler at the same time. Like I don't mind it because at least like when they are kind of like building out some of these like character relationships, like uh, it's like a little bit goes a long way. And in some of the cases they just do a little bit and it's fine. You know, the idea of like Prince Eric being adopted, it's not like a big deal, but you know, it's fine if you put in a little bit. Sure. But then when they, they start to try to like really expand upon these characters more, I think that's where it kind of falls apart. Um, Characters in this that don't work for me include like, I just think whatever Javier Bardem is doing here, um, this is one of those cases where brother Bardem, you should have just hmm. said no. You should have just yeah. been like, just, just don't. It, it, it's, it's a thought, weird performance. I thought it was fine. I really didn't sli- think he looked sleepy. I guess it, it was totally adequate to me. I, to be honest, I none of the performances really stood out to me in this movie. Like even the performances. I, I was going to say, I think Melissa McCarthy did better than I expected. My expectations were hmm. rock bottom. I was like, there's no way, but I thought she was fine kind of invoking the Pat Carroll and the, you know, divine, you know, inspirations, but it doesn't well, hold a thing, candle, right? obviously. I mean, yeah, I, I guess to me, it's, it, it's, it's a fairly, I guess, safe choice. Like I think because like you said, divine was such an inspiration for this film that I guess all the, all the choices that were made other than whether they were legit or just internet, um, you know, fan casting, uh, they, they were much more interesting than, uh, what we actually got here in the case of like, uh, what's the actor from unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Um, um which one? The, um, Oh, he, he played it 
the Ursula on Broadway, I believe. Um, I'm just blanking on his name. Uh, but I know like Lizzo was, uh, oh, Titus Burgess was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that And guy. I thought he, yeah, he would have been great for Ursula. I think that's just such a fun choice. Like, I don't know if that was, he was in talks for, if that was just the internet. I know Lizzo was considered. Um, it was just like, I, I just felt like there are other choices being thrown around. And I think Melissa McCarthy made the role her own. And I think she has, you know, she, she sings Poor Unfortunate Souls. Well, it's just, I don't think it makes the role any more interesting or unique than what was done in the original animated film. I just think it's just kind of serviceable to yeah. me in yeah. a way that, uh, yeah, I guess to me, like none of them are like, wow, I was like blown away by any performance. I was kind of just like, right. yeah, it's, it's serviceable. It's fine. Or it's just grating and awkward in the case of, uh, like Aquafina or, uh, yeah, the Aquafina stuff. I mean, <laughs> I did laugh once, uh, at, one of her, one of her scuttleisms, mm. um, but no. When, when she did the rap, that was a, a truly a dark moment for our entire theater. Um, mm. Also, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like with Flounder, I mean, again, totally doing like the realistic stuff. Uh, Jacob, yeah. Jacob Tremblay voiced him, and they were like, "Ooh, Flounder looks really off-putting." So they just kind of put him in the background of the whole movie. Right. He's barely in it. Uh, we get way more David Diggs as Sebastian, and I, I thought that was actually like a, a good vocal performance. The character looks very odd, but yes. I think Diggs actually like is very talented at like the musical component of this performance and also the comedic timing. Um, I think Sebastian actually has like energy to him. He's I usually don't like Sebastian at all in The Little Mermaid, um, uh, but I actually thought he was a more endearing character in this. Yeah, I thought he was fine. I, I think it's totally baffling that they don't make him a composer in this film as he was in the animated one, because like under the sea, which we didn't even mention a song. Apparently you don't <laughs> even like, I don't, yeah. I'm just like, you, you got to keep bringing it up for that reason. Right. I know. I, John, apparently to my surprise, uh, maybe even to my horror, I was watching the, uh, animated, uh, like animated little mermaid again like for the first time in however long to to prepare for this film and i just text him like yeah you know cold take the coldest it takes under the sea still cold banger as always just such a great song uh a top 10 disney classic and you're like yeah not not about that <laughs> i don't like it as much i think it's kind of uh, it bugs me it, it, it kind of irks me like the the sound of it i like the, the whole, sequence the animated sequence yeah but um, the that's whole, really fun the whole thing with that sequence in the anime one is that he, so he's a con- music conductor. He, he like is the assistant to Titus or, uh, you know, Titan. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he's not prepared Triton. for this. Triton, sorry, Triton. Um, but he like, the one thing he knows is music. So like when he does under the sea, that's his attempt to like, okay, like I can't really communicate these things vocally, but I can use music to explain why living under the sea is such a beautiful, harmonious thing. You'll you'll need the surface. That's the point of that song. And then this one, it's like, I just felt like singing a song. And it's just like, yeah, it's what we we're know. supposed to do. The same. It's the same thing. He's he's trying to convince her to stay, and he's using music, something he knows that she loves and is passionate about. Uh, this movie maintains but is she? The, her being an amazing singer. I get, yeah, she can sing That's for sure. That's part of the story. I guess it just it, it said that like her siren song is like especially you know impressive. Uh, I was going to mention she has like sisters that have like the sisters actually have a lot of lines or not a lot but they have way more than they do in the original. But it does kind of it, it's just weird because it's like they're all different ethnicities. So like to me I'm just like well do they have so does King Triton just kind of get around like wh- wh- what's going on there? The answer of course is yes. Uh- <laughs> I wish I wish they I know they wouldn't, but I wish they would address that at some point. I mean, it's, again, like stuff like that, where it's just like like 
it, yes, obviously it's more progressive. It's it's socially conscious, like good decision. But yeah, just kind of like okay, so they all just have a different mom. My guess <laughs> it, it's the same thing as like the Avengers Endgame and all the like female characters are in frame for that moment. Sure. It's like okay, we see what you're doing. But it, it, it just kind of takes you out of the movie and it, it feels a little bit like that pandering. One, it doesn't feel, yeah. you know. That one felt more insulting to me just because, like you said, that just kind of felt pandering. And like, that's like them like expecting to get a pat on the bat for pat on the back for being. It worked out uh, because then we got the boys, uh, you know, obviously having the, the, the perfect, you know, in season two girls get it done. And, you know, at least it gave that show some material to work with. Okay, I never watched it, probably never will. I know, uh, which I'm very upset about. I don't like uh, that mm. you've never seen it, but, you know, well, more for me, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, some of the changes go, like, they, they try to make Ursula a little bit more fleshed out by establishing that she's related to Ariel. Yeah, again, so she's, like, Triton's sister. And, again, it's, like, they're adding yes theoretically they're adding more depth and complexity she has a motivation she's a jealous sibling it's got, like with the sisters okay sure they added more depth they're conservationists but like what does that add like nothing. besides nothing it doesn't <laughs> like, it, it factors into zo- the story zip zero they don't they barely even address it like if you miss if you went to the bathroom or something and came in and you miss that line, it wouldn't affect the story at all. Like you wouldn't even need to know that. Um, So yeah, it's just like stuff like that where it's just like they pay lip service to like trying to like expand the story, but they don't like, they don't have the wiggle room to do anything with these. And it's not like it's purposeful. It's just like, well, what would be more like, what's the way we could expand upon this, make it a little bit more person or, you know, a little bit more, uh, and passion for Ursula. It's like, oh, well, it's not just like any old soul sucking mission. It's, uh, you know, it's revenge for yeah. family. And, and, which is unnecessary. And what this does is when you add these extra layers to what should be a simple story, then the other things that are simple don't fit. It's like you said, it's not a perfect harmony because then you still have like, for some reason, it has to be true love's kiss. And there's no direct explanation for that. How could there be? It's it's one of the most basic, you know, fundamental, you know, fairy tale uh, plot devices. So then when you have like all these motivations and complexities added over here, but then you don't have it over here for that stuff, it just, it it doesn't work. They don't go together. It's not cohesive. But yeah, I mean, as far as the uh, going back to Prince Eric song thing, uh, I just think it's so funny that like all these live action remakes have like what I call like the unnecessary love interest song, like Beauty and the Beast. They add that song for Beast where it's just like, on the Beast, yeah. here's my song. Uh, buh, buh. And it doesn't add or anything. It doesn't tell us anything about the Beast we don't know. I don't know how it goes. It doesn't add it. It's just three extra minutes of filler. And it's a it's new like song for the to, soundtrack. It's like if you went to Coco and you gave, you know, the uh, Hector, the skeleton guy, his own song. Right. You know? Yeah, but I mean, they also did that in Aladdin. Maybe, maybe a little bit more purposeful with like Jasmine, where it's just like Jasmine, I'm a girl boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, her song was literally like, "I won't be speechless" as she right. sings a song that nobody hears. Right. <laughs> that yeah, it just so again, it's just I don't, like all these decisions just contradict each other. It's just so it's just baffling, kind of what what they do. But yeah, the Prince Eric song, I just I. Uh, mentally just tuned out because like I, this isn't gonna add anything it's not gonna tell me anything I, I don't already need to know about eric uh they, they also tried to like add some things with him in lieu of having um the the chef messing with yeah, sebastian yeah. which they is such out, which a, i was kind of surprised yeah, yeah. 
The less I think, I, think I think where we differ is that I'm pretty okay with the Prince Eric stuff. And I, th- I generally think like, I actually felt something with mm. like their sort of chemistry, Halle Bailey and Jonas Howard King. Like I, it, it's not the best in the world or anything, but like when we got out of all the underwater stuff and all the mumbo jumbo, the Javier Bardem doing whatever he's doing. And we were just kind of hanging out with those two crazy kids, you know, going on dates and, you know, dancing, you know, in the Bahamas, whatever that was, I'm, I was having fun. I, I genuinely, I was just, I was having a good time because that's when the movie started to move a little bit more for me. And I wasn't as distracted by all the like, you know, visual effects crashing around the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the scene I think you're alluding to where they're like at the, the merchant and like kiss kind of interacting with the different stores and stuff is like the only scene where they have like any like palpable, emotionality because it's like an actual set that they're on with real people (laughs) and actually able right they're able to interact and use props and like not rigidly constrained to cgi uh green and blue screens and uh they're having fun you're watching characters have fun ariel is kind of like fascinated by this world and she's kind of like being kind of goofy and doing silly things and eric's like following her around but he's kind of fascinated by her and it, it i think like whatever you know rob marshall and them were like doing there that's i think where this movie kind of finds a little bit of footing pun intended yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, to me, I guess Eric is just such a blank slate in this movie. I I thought the performance wasn't much of anything. I, other than that scene, I thought their relationship uh, chemistry didn't really have much going on there. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really feeling that, unfortunately. If you want a, a more believable, you know, see people love story, I just watch Luca. Sure, yeah. Or Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, that's about all I got for... The Little Mermaid. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't think either of us are, you know, I don't think we're super far apart. I just have a couple of things I'm nicer about and you do, too, I guess. Um, I guess I'm not really. I'm, I'm more indifferent, I think, to this movie, even though I'm getting myself kind of worked up and all this. It's just like I think watching it's the it. Thing. <laughs> well, that I mean, I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at the movie as so much about okay, that. Fair but, enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I, I, I think it just kind of a tedious mediocre movie it's just nothing exceptional noteworthy it's not as boring as aladdin or beauty and the beast uh but it's certainly nowhere near as insulting as uh the lion king remake but it just i don't know it doesn't really move the needle much it doesn't do anything it's not going to be remembered no one really cares about it it's uh if it does allow Haley bailey to have a better career i hope the best for her i mean you know she she has an extraordinary voice i i wish her well but yeah I don't, i've seen I, critics though say that they think little this little mermaid will be the little mermaid movie for a lot of kids and that they'll probably prefer this to the animated and i i could see that being the case you know because it, it, it's adequate enough and i i think that like some kids will find this mm. one a little bit more uh more modern um, but and then we have the nostalgic feel, right, for the hand drawn version. So I don't know how it's going to be true. Uh, not definitely not for me or you. But I think it's going to be too creepy and scary for little kids. Too soggy. Oh, I disagree with that. Too soggy for uh, like preteens. Like the romance doesn't really. It's too chaste. It's too boring. And then the adults are just like I said, the anime one. I don't care about this. I, I think this is going to be like for the little kids, and I don't think they're going to be too scared by it. But, you know, what do I know? You know? I'm not part of that world. I don't know. <laughs> uh, play the, the Rock yeah. Tomatoes game. Well, we didn't even talk about the Scuttlebutt song, did we? We don't have to. 
I sure. I just that's think it's thing. so funny that that's like I think is that the is that the first original Lin Manuel Miranda song we've gotten like post Hamilton. Vivo. Other than Vivo, of course, a movie we all remember and love. <laughs> the movie that I saw people watching uh, at Disneyland while waiting in line. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. That, that Lin Manuel Miranda, he goes to the beat of his own drum. Well, sure, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just like, well, I. I I was almost kind of endeared just by how awful it was. Like it, it, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like, you know, like the baddie rap from uh Fern Gully and stuff where it's just like, so, so pandering and just so clearly just like, we need to add something fresh and cool. I don't think that's what the purpose was of it. I think the purpose of it was to be cringe. I think it's supposed to be funny. I don't think it's supposed to be cringe. I think it's supposed to be funny because it's cringe. Well, we've reached another impasse. Yeah. <laughs> Between that and Under the Sea, we just can't agree no, on uh, the Little Mermaid music. But, right. you know, that's why there's two Cinemaholics on this show. That is right. Uh, now, can we play the Rotten Tomatoes game? Sure. Okay. Uh, 242 reviews counted. What do you think the critic score is? Uh, I'm going to assume slightly positive in the sense that people are probably like, yeah, it's better than the last five of these, but um, I don't know if they're going to be like, you know, I don't know. Like you said, like, I, I guess with the notable vocal minority who are like, this is even better than the original, which is a, a absurd thing to say. I, I don't think that's a common opinion, but I think people might be more forgiving of this one than maybe some of the other Disney live action remakes. So I'm going to say 67%. You're exactly right. Wow, it's right? been a while since you got it spot on first guess. Wow, okay. Well done. Well done. Yeah, 67%. Uh, what about audience score? Uh, I'm going to assume high. I think audiences, they're just happy to be back under the sea. Uh, <laughs> you said that was such a plum. Yeah. They're just happy to be back. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 78%. Much higher. Much higher, ninety five percent. Even uh, more than really, you thought, huh? Yeah, they're really it's loving true. being under the sea. <laughs> they love that scuttlebutt song. <laughs> they can't stop, you know, playing it in the car on the way home. Yeah, I feel for those poor, <laughs> unfortunate souls. Of course, referring, of course, to the parents on long car rides having to hear that song over and we over. Did, again. We did say, it, but I thought uh, McCarthy did a, a a decent job with "Poor Unfortunate Souls." That's a, that's a yeah. very important song. To, to, yeah. And Halle Bailey, I think, really like held her own. Um, up to Jody Benson's part of your world. And uh, I was impressed with her. Um, I actually, I got a little bit of a tiny little baby chill when she like splashed up against the rock. I'll say it. Um, okay. Cinema score. What do we got? Uh, B? Much higher. It's an A. Mm. Wow. I'm okay. surprised you'd guess B after that uh, high audience score taking you by surprise. I know. I, I Well, we've had exa- examples of like, you know, the audience score That's for Rotten Tomatoes being different than those crazy kooks in uh, Las Vegas. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. Let's finish out with here with uh, Letterboxd. We have 50,000 watches. A uh, little bit lower than I expected, but, I mean, I guess not that much lower than I expected. Um, I'm going to go Average low, rate. actually, here. Maybe against my better interest. But I just feel like the Letterbox scores I've seen have been pretty bad to negative that just could be my timeline but i just feel like the letterbox crowd is going to be a little more tisk tisk this isn't my mojo kind of thing so i'm going to say 2.8 it is much higher you did so well in the very beginning 
I know. I started strong. (laughs) You did. It's 3.6. Wow. That's way higher than I thought. Yeah. I think, yeah, your, 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 uh, your letterbox is skewed, you know, mm. um, yeah, friend of the show, Emma Sasek gave it four stars. Uh, Aaron Dicer, friend of the show, gave it three. Uh, we have who else here? Um, I don't think we have any other, maybe we don't have any other friends of the show. Oh, here's Kristen Lopez, three stars. Um, and then, yeah, that'll do it. But I mean, people who haven't been on the show, I'm like surprised. I saw David Chen gave this three and a half stars. I almost spit out my water. Some people, I'm telling you, some critics are just like, you know what? This is it. Uh, I know Dan Merle really liked the movie, another friend of the mm. show. I I don't think he he uses Letterboxd, but uh, I think he gave it a pretty positive review. Um, So there you go. That's what's going to happen. I Um, guess. (laughs) I saw one Letterboxd review. Somebody was, uh, I I liked watching uh, uh, Ursula go full kaiju. I was like, yeah, okay. I don't Um, know what that means, but happy to. Kaiju. Oh, oh, kaiju. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I did want to bring up that. Yeah, because. You know, in my head, when like I was already kind of checking out of the movie by minute 105 or whatever, I was like, all right, at least Melissa McCarthy kaiju in the water is going to be fun. But that scene is so murky and so yeah. hard to see that it's just like, what's I can't even really make out what's happening. It's just like, well, that was my, what I, a waste. I never liked that whole scene at the end of the animated movie. I'm kind of checked out, honestly, after Kiss the Girl um, in both of these movies. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we got to finish it. Yeah. We're, it's just like tying up loose ends at that point. Um, uh, I want to do one last thing here. A little bit of a special okay. thing. I want to see if you, if what, what you think of uh, the Disney live action remakes by Rotten Tomatoes score. What do you think the number one is in terms of like, oh, the highest Rotten Tomatoes? It has to be Pete's Dragon, right? It is not. Oh, wow. Okay. Pete's uh, Dragon is number two. Okay. Is it Jungle Book then? It's the Jungle Book. 94%. Pete's Dragon is number two with 88%. What do you think is number three? Um, Cinderella? It's Cinderella. There you go. Now you're getting there. Yeah, that has 83%. And then when you go down there, then you have Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, the 1994 one at 80%. Mm. And then after that, I wonder if you'll get this. What do you think? What do you think comes next? Um, The score is 75%. 75%. Uh... Is it Wendy and Lucy? Wendy and Lucy. Or, oh, sorry, not Wendy and Lucy. I was thinking of a Kelly Reinhardt movie. <laughs> um, Peter Pan and, and Wendy, I mean. it. No, it's not. That one's actually pretty far down the list, I think. Um, yeah, that one's 62%, and it's below The Little Mermaid. It's further down the list there. Whoa, it's okay. Cruella. Cruella, all right. Well, well. Yeah. But then, no accounting for taste sometimes. The next, the next three of these, one of them is, I, I think makes sense, but at number six, you have Mulan. Which I do not understand. The the twenty twenty Mulan, oh, yeah. which I think is just a terrible For, movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I know most people do. It, I mean, it's just such a it, it's just such a dip in quality from the animated one. And I think it's one of the more atrocious in terms of the wasted potential that movie had. Yeah, because that um, yeah, one no. there was. I mean, as much as the original animated movie was good, it's like okay, this has potential to be something in live action. You know, it's uh, yeah martial arts uh, extravaganza. It could be, and in that one, you know, the fact that it shit the bed was even more uh, disappointing than any of these other ones, I think. I would say so. Uh, and then you have Christopher Robin, which I think makes sense. And, and I don't even think that one's much of a Disney live action remake. Right. That's kind of pushing the, the definition, yeah. but sure. Yeah, that's decent. Um, yeah. I, thought, I thought Dumbo was decent. 
Uh, is that next on, on the ranking? No, it's not. Dumbo is super far down the list. I'm sorry to say, because uh, that's in rotten territory. But the next one at 71%, number eight. I don't understand this either, but it's the world we live in. Beauty and the Beast. Um, Beauty and the Beast was right above The Little Mermaid, which is at number nine. Um, I don't get it because I think that Beauty and the Beast movie is terrible. You know, it's arguably bad. worse than Mulan. Um, it is. And, and I think, again, I think it's similar with Mulan. These movies, when they, right when they came out, I just think that they got like a wave of positive reviews because of vibes and not really like, I think plenty of other people were like, no, no. Um, it's not like they're... I mean, I mean, they're in the 70s, but, you know, it was 2017. People are like, <laughs> anything that makes me not think about Trump is going to get <laughs> a fresh review on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy is number 10. Um, so kind of interesting what kind of goes down from there. I would have expected because then you have Lady and the Tramp at 66 hmm. percent, uh, I think because it has fewer reviews counted. So they weight it differently. Um, but Lady and the Tramp at number 11. Then you have Aladdin, which I guess I, I thought Aladdin had better reviews. It's at 57%. And then even more surprising to me, Maleficent is number 13 at 54%. I thought that movie was kind of received better. No, I remember that one. That one was not well received upon release, I remember. Aladdin, I thought it was maybe a little bit better. I thought it was around the same as Beauty and the Beast, but I don't know. That, That's that what I be- thought, but... Yeah, no, I mean, as much money as it made. And then you have Lion King 2019. That makes sense. The 2010 Alice in Wonderland is kind of surprising to me that it's 51%. That one, too, I thought was like more positive than not. Uh, no, I guess it that kind of one. Is. Nope, that one. Everyone hated that one upon release. I remember. Uh, not everyone. Alice in Wonderland? No, I remember at best, like, people were like trying to like kind of Phantom Menace themselves into liking it a little bit. Like, well, you know, because that, that's that point, what I, I felt with Dumbo. Because that's what's next. Dumbo at number 16. I felt people were kind of trying to make excuses for that movie. People named Malashin? No, I think I think Dumbo becomes a much more personal film for uh, Tim Burton than people gave it credit. But it's not, by, by no means, is it uh, an excellent or even uh, highly above, like, barely passable. It's just, like, it's decent, I think. It's fine. The bottom two, I think, make sense. Uh, they're tied, essentially, at 20 and 21. Uh, they both have 29%, and that's Pinocchio and Alice Through the Looking Glass, which of those two movies, I would probably watch Pinocchio because Alice Through the Looking Glass was just such a slog. I just right. remember being so unbelievably bored by that movie, yeah. and I do not want to see Johnny Depp's face ever again. Sure. So there you did go. They, did they not put the Maleficent sequel in there? It's in there. Uh, the Maleficent okay. sequel is below 101 Dalmatians. Okay. Uh, it's at number 18. And then you have one of two Dalmatians at number 19. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to make my own ranking, I guess, on Letterboxd. And I, I'd be Why curious not? to see. I mean, it, it's a battle for what movie is the most mediocre, but it, it'd be kind of fun all the same. Yeah. Which which of these uh, trash bins smells the worst to you? Uh, right. <laughs> which rotten banana is more edible? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think... Uh, but that means both of us are kind of hungry if we're both talking about garbage. So, uh, thank you for listening. As always, uh, we'll be back next week, I think, to talk about what did we say we we're going to talk about? Not past lives. Uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Is it yeah, yeah. still part one, or did they take out the part one of the title? I don't see a part one. I just see okay. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Maybe it's stylized that way. Sometimes that's the case. But yeah, I think I initially, I think initially it was called part one. Then they're like that, yeah, that 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 you know that's not good let's just take that out well i'm very excited about that movie i hope it, it's uh, as good as some people have been claiming and, i'm excited uh, yeah 
should be yeah. good. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all in the next episode of Cinemaholics from the Internet California. I'm John Agroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashen. See you next time. Above the sea. Doop, ba, ba, doop.